SBC Media. Hello and welcome to Cinema Reels, the gambling movie podcast where we talk about which movies are a hot crap streak and what is the cinematic equivalent of Snake Eyes. I'm Jessica Wellman, film fanatic and editor of SBC Americas, joined by commercial director for SBC Media, John Cook, and media editor, and I'm going to call you a Flintstones fanatic, James Ross, because you explain why you are responsible for me using the word gazoo today more than I've ever used in my entire life. Yabba-dabba-doo! I love the Flintstones. I love. <laughs> I've never met, I mean, everyone's watched the Flintstones. I kind of liked the Flintstones. In the U.S., Flintstones vitamins were a big thing. But, like, I've never met anyone who was just like, you know, it was a great cartoon, the Flintstones. So explain your love for the Flintstones for me. Uh, it, it came from my dad, to be honest. He he used to watch a lot of old cartoons like the Looney Tunes and the Flintstones. So every morning he'd be watching them. So when I'm getting ready for school, I'd just sat, sit there and watch it. And I really loved the the first film of the Flintstones in 1994 with John Goodman. So And that was like one of my childhood films that me and my brother used to watch quite a lot. Fun fact, even John Goodman didn't like the Flintstones. Uh, and the reason that the movie we're discussing today is a prequel is because he refused to participate. Uh, all right, if you haven't figured it out, today we are talking about the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Uh, before we dive into this cinematic masterpiece, opening <laughs> question, who is your favorite Flintstone? James, since you are the connoisseur uh of this, we'll let you go first. Dino. Has to be Dino. He's Why such the a Why dog? Or will the he's, dino dog? He's such a menace and he just brings like a lot of fun and frantic behavior every time he's on this on the screen, certainly with, with Fred. Um I think their dynamic is <laughs> it's like uh I know when I run his dog dynamic, but I think it's just brilliant on the screen. It just makes me laugh each time. And it when when Dino was in the film, because I think he appeared halfway through. It, it made my day. It <laughs> That's what was wrong with this movie. Not enough Dino. Yeah. Um, John, do you have a favorite Flintstones character? Uh, really annoyingly, mine is also Dino. Yeah. Uh, and look, there, there is nothing to love about any of the Flintstones. And I, I've been sitting here seething by the fact that James said old cartoons. I remember the Looney Tunes when they were first around. <laughs> That's a little bit harsh. Um, but... Yeah, Dino is the only redeeming feature of the Flintstones at all. I I wish I wasn't involved in this, to be entirely honest, because <laughs> I, I despise the Flintstones, and I appreciate this is audio, but uh, anyone who's looking at my face will see a very distinct... Uh, Snarl, I would say. Yeah, <laughs> disgust. Snarl, disgust, anger. Okay, well, then we, we do run the gamut here. I will tell you, I'm pretty indifferent on the Flintstones. There was a Saturday morning cartoon when I was a kid called um, The Flintstones Kids in which they were like toddler versions. <laughs> like imagine Rugrats meets the Flintstones where it's like baby Fred and baby Wilma 
and so on, and they get into antics. And I remember liking that enough, but I couldn't tell you anything else about it. My favorite Flintstone, mostly because I was a small redhead with a giant unruly head of hair, obviously has to be Pebbles. <laughs> um, oftentimes, if I get my ponytail too high, my sister will be like, hey, Pebbles, what you doing over there? So uh, I relate to little Pebbles, and that's why she's my favorite. But again, because it's a prequel, Pebbles is not in this movie, which is my big complaint. And I think we have a long list of complaints, so let's just dive right in. I have a question. Am I wrong in thinking that it was Pebbles and Bam Bam? Yes. Is that right? Yeah. That's right. Okay, I'm not going mad. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Quick aside. In doing research for the quiz and stuff, do you know that Bam Bam is spelled with two M's in each word? B-A-M-M? That makes sense. No, it doesn't. Bam is spelled B-A-M. Bam. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Bam. Okay, fine. There you go. Uh, This is perhaps the most useless spoiler alert I've ever given in my entire (laughs) life, but... If you want to preserve the filmic integrity of the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas and have not seen the movie, now is the time to turn it off uh, and come visit us when you want to really just dive into everything that happens and the plot and whatnot. So now that that's out of the way, quick little brief on this. The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas is the 2000 prequel to the 1993 live actions Flintstone that asked the question none of us ever needed to know. How did Fred, Wilma, Barney, and Betty meet? The first half of the movie tackles the romantic entanglements of the two couples as observed by the Great Gazoo, while the second half of the film ships them off to the bedrock version of Las Vegas, complete with the Molten Nugget and the Sahara Rock. Nominated for four Razzie Awards and a legitimate box office bomb, this film is undeniably stupid. But is it stupid in the best way possible, guys? That sharp inhale from John (laughs) tells me he he has thoughts. So let's just dive right in. John, your overall thoughts of this movie. The spoiler alert is definitely not needed because all I would actually say is don't bother. Don't switch it on. There's nothing to spoil. That's a uh, but this harsh. is where I'll say, in lieu of watching the movie, just listen to us talking about it. That way we don't lose our entire audience. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but seriously, it's um, it's pain. Okay, be a little more specific. What's wrong with it? What's right with it? Did you go on, did you go on to this film hating it before you even started it? Or is it generally a pure hatred of Yeah, the film? did you give it a fair shake? I think I gave it a fair shake. I mean... <sighs> the fact you said you think, I don't think you did. I never liked the Flintstones when I was a kid, right? And okay. I did. I do remember watching the first Flintstones movie, and I'm a huge Goodman fan, and actually it was okay. But it was like watching Goodman and Pesci, right? It wasn't like watching Fred and Barney. Was it Pesci? It was Rick Moranis. M- Moranis, which, I mean, that was it. Someone never mistaken for Joe Pesci in his life. <laughs> What's that guy? <laughs> Kind of like Joe Pesci, the one from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Little yeah, Shop yeah, of yeah. No, 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 no. I know. I know. Uh, you can rip me if you like. But look, I think it was It was just an... I gave it a fair chance. I fell asleep too many times. I couldn't get past it. There were great bits in it. The, the fact that they move into... Is it like a... It's kind of like a 
uh, mine, right, that they work in and they're trying to pass their exams and all of that. Rock is quarry. A quarry. A quarry. I like the fact that they have sort of uh, a healthcare program for the dinos that are working in there. And that was quite amusing where you just basically just see uh, Barney just get farted on, which is, or is that an appropriate one for our American audience as well? Probably yeah, is. No. Um, that's, that's kind of an amusing piece. But uh, other than that, I can't really say that, I can't really say it was that exciting. The Great Kazoo, what's that about? Who even no. came up with that concept? It's just absolutely <laughs> pointless. I will say my very first note says we're opening this film with the great gazoo. Really? Like it's a choice to center your entire narrative around the little green alien guy. James, you're the one who thought this would be fun. What did you think of the movie? (laughs) (laughs) I found it fun. Um, Completely uh, complete contrast to John. I, I went into it kind of differently to how I went into Casino and Win It All. Um, I was a bit more, I analysed the other two films a bit more. So actually when I went into the Flintstones, I just went in with a bit more fun. And I actually had really low expectations of this film. I, for being a big fan, I actually didn't know there was, um, there was a sequel to the 1994 one. And then when I watched the trailer and it was... Something Addy, Mark Addy, that's the one. Um, I, I wasn't vibing it because I like John Goodman so much as Fred Flintstone. I thought, I can't get over that. It's something that I think would have hindered me as much. And I'm not even going to mention um, his name, the Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin. I'm not a big fan of the Baldwins. So when I saw his face, I was just like, mm, I can't do it. But and I really love haircut. Oh, yeah. But I, I actually, so I watched it on the plane to SPC Summit North America and I was smiling when watching it and I don't really like watching films on my phone on a plane. Um, but I, I, yeah, I really liked it. Bar Stephen Baldwin and The Great Kazoo. I am embarrassed at <laughs> yes. how much I enjoyed this movie. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I finished it and I was just like, okay, maybe you can watch it again and you'll get more judgmental about it because you know that you have to go tell like the public that you found this movie reasonably enjoyable. There were two moments in this movie where I legit cackled out loud. I thought it was so funny Um, that, yeah, I'm here's where I'm landing on this. The people that are involved in this movie deserve 10 million times better, right? Like, Jane Krakowski is a delightful actress. Kristen Johnston's a, an amazing actress. Alan Cumming, I I want to say can do no wrong, but after this can indeed do wrong. Um, and then I've been a fan of Mark Addy ever since he was in Full Monty back mm. in the 90s. So... I think because I I just find these people charming and talented and I see that they're doing their best with what they've got, I I gave it a little more of a positive sentiment because I'm just like, well, I do enjoy these performers even though what they're doing is pretty stupid. Sure. I kind of agree with you. But you've got to bear in mind this is 23 years ago, right? And 23 years ago, the majority of these people were TV actors and poor TV actors. Maybe uh, the lady, I've forgotten her name, uh, the one that 
was in Ali McBeal. Um, maybe she was actually in Ali McBeal at that time, but the others were pretty much poor TV actors, and the Baldwin brother had only just been in an advert for M and M's. That was <laughs> he it. He was in Bio. He should have well. stayed in that advert. To be honest, I do remember yeah. Bio. This was also well. So Kristen Johnston. I don't know how much this one made it across the pond. Third Rock from the Sun was a very popular. Third Rock from the Sun is amazing. A very popular show and a very well reviewed show. Um, so this was during the time that that show was either running or she was fresh off the run in that that you know the women arguably were were more famous and well known than the men. Was Third Rock from the Sun that far back? Yeah, it was in the nineties. Oh, I wow. was in high school for. I sure. used to love Third Rock from the Sun, and I still do actually. When there's reruns, I have absolutely no idea what you're going on about. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! <laughs> oh, it's a it's great absolutely show. Absolutely amazing. John Lithgow, uh, French Stewart, Kristen Johnston, and a baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm. uh, are aliens sent to Earth, and they're just kind of barely getting by with this, you know, cover story that they're humans. It sounds like my parents are aliens or something. Like that. Yeah, it's similar, but it's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we can add this to her aliens sent to Earth trying to learn things oeuvre because that's, you know, how they get Gazoo in is he gets sent to watch them, you know, fall in love and whatnot. So I feel like we need to talk about the first half of this movie a little bit just because it's half the movie. Like they don't get to Vegas right away. So this whole like, how did they meet? How did they fall in love? Any major thoughts from this? It's kind of cute. It's kitsch, right? You've got to think about it in this way. You've got four actors who have come into a movie where it's so well known from a cartoon that they kind of are already molded in terms of how they can play the characters, right? There's you can't really play Barney any different. You can't really play Fred any different. You can't play Wilmer any different. You can't play Betty any different. So they've they've done a good job as actors to portray those characters. Whether you believe they're those characters is another thing. I think the overall premise of the story is a little bit too serious for it being a kid's movie. I was going to point that out. In terms of there are a lot of things in there that are kind of adult topics that realistically children are not going to really understand and if you think about children's movies normally the the adult elements are the in jokes for the family so th- there's the stupidness and then there's something there's either some form of sexual innuendo or there's some form of just adult commentary that is an in joke a lot yeah. of the themes through this movie are so integral to the storyline that the kids might not get it. But there's enough silliness in there for it to happen, right? So Considering the first 20 minutes is based on Fred and Barney trying to mate in the words of the great kazoo. Mm. They're trying to have sex for the first 20 minutes. Well, that's it's... the whole thing for the first sort of five minutes. It's basically uh, the great kazoo getting his brief that he's got to go down to Earth to find out the mating rituals of these humans. And then you're just presented a mating ritual of the, I don't know, is he the great? It's a courtship ritual more than. Yeah, it's the courtship ritual, right? But then the then the procreation, well, it's not procreation. Is it? Well, yeah, I suppose it is. The procreation of the aliens is basically they subdivide themselves. Yeah. And you yeah. see that in, the kids ain't going to get that. And that's in the first two minutes of the movie, right? Um, the Actually, there is one thing that made me 
absolutely cry with laughter at the very start of the movie. I'm not sure which one of them said it. I think it might be Alan Cummings. He just turns around and goes, did you see those massive letters just going around the earth? Because it was the universal thing where the universal oh. sign And then he turns around and goes, did you see those huge letters just going around? The-? That was the only thing that really made me laugh other than the fart. Well, so you were talking about kind of like adult jokes. This is the, fir- the first thing that made me die laughing was Barney and Fred think that Gazoo is a genie. And Barney's like, oh, you get to grant us wishes, right? And Fred responds, let's get this started. What do we have to rub? and i was like that's that's pretty funny uh speaking of the adult innuendo in this movie uh so that one was was good but yeah it it did you know i the whole as the connoisseur james is wilma rich in the cartoon too i don't remember wilma being like from money i think it's hinted at early on but i'm not 100 sure to be honest I think if you look at the way that she dresses in the cartoons, the pearls along the pearls are a big indication that she comes from money, yeah. because there is no way that Fred would have earned that. Because if you look at Fred's clothes, they typically have holes in it, like tiny little holes. Where it's is it leopard that he normally wears? Something like that with spots leopard. on the front, right? Yeah. Some of those are holes. If you look at it in some of the cartoons, and then Barney and Wilmanix. The thing I don't get in terms of this versus the the cartoon, is you kind of get the feeling that Barney and Fred and Betty and Wilma were only best friends because they lived next door to each other in the cartoon, where here it just adds more context. So I suppose there is something that... It does add value to the Flintstones um, history, Whoa. I suppose. The lore of the Flintstones. <laughs> I'm sitting here going... <laughs> I have two film degrees, and we're sitting here discussing the class <laughs> politics of the Flintstones cartoon. <laughs> like, yeah. I said the same thing. I've got an undergrad in film and media studies, and this is what it's used for. Yeah, um, it's it's a little bit depressing. But if we look at um, well, you asked us about the story, right? And to cover the story, it is pretty much rich girl gets sick of her life, goes to try and find the goes to try and find a different side of the world, someone to play with, someone to have fun, right? And then she just gets interwoven into normality and learns a lot of things. It's kind of an interesting story. It's also what Disney uses in Aladdin, right? Where the princess goes wants to get out of the castle. Yeah, John, I feel like we're going to have another casino U-turn here from you. No, not you've at all. Come in, you've come into this quite negative, and as we're going on, I feel like your opinion of this is quite is changing to be a bit more positive. No, no. It's, it's like a classic Dickens trope of rich meets poor, really. When you think about it, no, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to make this exciting for not only the audience but actually for myself because it was hell. It was particularly. Hell. I will say, yeah, the story is very you know blasé. Uh, and the way they get to Vegas is that Wilma's ex-boyfriend, Chip Rockefeller, played by Thomas Gibson, who I'm sure, you know, 23 years removed, feels like a real random guy. But at this point, Dharma and Greg was a very popular sitcom mm-hmm. in the U.S. And he was one of the he was Greg in Dharma and Greg. So that is another TV guy doing his TV thing. Um 
plays Chip and invites them to his newly opened casino, which brings us to Rock Vegas, uh, where they go and he tries to essentially get Fred so in the red gambling that he's forced to, in order to make it square with Chip, you know, give up Wilma. Uh, yeah. I got... Like when you move into the Vegas scenario, there are a lot of just missing plot lines in there. Yeah. I mean, you get to the point where the the supposed Flintstones mob turns up and puts a load of puts the thumb screws on. Uh, you, look, I hate this film so much. I'm forgetting the characters' names. Chip. Chip. There you go. Put the thumbscrews on Chip. How did that come about? We don't know anything about his financial troubles before then. It's just another missed story, and it's kind of pointless. And how are kids going to watch this and turn around and go, oh, yeah, daddy's gone to a casino and done that? Because kids don't – I don't think it is a responsible topic to have in a kid's film, if I'm entirely honest. I'm just going very parental on this. I think even though the Flintstones are for the kids – are for kids, and we've already mentioned it's kind of not responsible. Don't forget, this cartoon also came out in the 1960s. Yeah, so very there is true. that obligation to satisfy the people who grew up with it. It's kind of the, the Star Wars situation where people felt so gatekeeped through the old original ones that they hate the, the newer ones that came out. Mm. There needs to be a nice balance between, I think they've gone a bit too heavy with the adult um, allegiance in this film, but I think it does need to be taken into consideration that these films, that were children, it's for adults. I mean, yeah, you look at, like, some of the references, you know? Like, put the the mob showing up kind of feels like Casino, right? You know, yeah, there's yeah, a bit yeah, of a yeah. Casino reference in there. You have the point where Barney and Fred kind of dress up as showgirls to evade getting caught after <laughs> they're framed for um, stealing Wilma's pearls, and that's very Some Like It Hot. There's a lot of very kind of old movie references yeah. in here for people. Um, I mean, I guess for parents. But yeah, I, I would imagine kids have no clue what these references are to. And they're just like, oh, men dressed up as showgirls. That's really funny. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was played like... Maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Um, but I think I think perhaps the sort of the cross genre of an adult film with a kid's film in this scenario. And I'm not talking about adult in terms of adult, adult, but sort of a more, more serious film in comparison to a kid's film is a little bit of a cry for help from the director to a certain extent, a cry for help in his career. Cause if you look at, if you look at Brian Levant's career, he came from the highs of uh, being a writer on Mork and Mindy, which is just one of the most epic television series ever to have graced the screen exactly and that is where gazoo should have come from um it's just one of the most epic things ever to have um graced the television screen i don't know if anyone has spoken more highly of mork and mindy in my life by the way i like mork and mindy don't get me wrong but you're just like like screw the sopranos the best television show to ever grace the screen is mork and mindy 100 percent, 100 percent. i do enjoy mork and mindy i mean that was that was robin williams at at sort of the real sort of start of his career where he was really getting some really getting some momentum behind him including a huge amount of drugs but pushing pushing through but it was just a fantastic 
TV series. And then the director moves on for a directorial debut of Problem Child 2. Then going to that flick a lot as a child for what it is worth. <laughs> then going to Beethoven that was oh, be- oh don't wonderful. not Beethoven absolutely wonderful. Okay. Then going to the Flintstones and then from the Flintstones onwards, it's kind of a load of crap. Uh, you might be able to get away with it by saying Snow Dogs was okay and it maybe made money. G- maybe Jingle all the way, but the rest of it is just a load of rubbish. And anyone who's ever involved in Scooby-Doo should be shot. Um, As in the the film Scooby-Doo? Yes. Okay. No, come on. With the live action? You're defending the live action Scooby-Doo movies? Oh, we know who the young one is on this podcast. Yeah, the one Freddie Prince Jr. is Fred. Fantastic film. Thing I've never said to myself, you know who's really funny and charming? Freddie Prince Jr., yeah. I like Freddie Prince Jr. No. I like him too, that. but he's just, you know, it's like an attractive piece of balsa wood. It's not like he's <laughs> particularly charming. Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo to Monsters Island. Escape from Monsters Island is fantastic. That is so, childhood films for me. Okay, we got to change the subject before okay, I lose my mind. Let's, let's just get back. Let's just yeah, get back to the film. Let's get back on track. Let's, let's talk about performances. Let's mm-hmm. start with who's the worst performance in this movie. I will note that Joan Collins and Stephen Baldwin both earned Razzie nominations for this film. I'll go first because I think John's going to go for everyone. Um, nope. Nope. Ooh, but I'm going to still gonna go first. Um, I'm going to say Stephen Baldwin as Barney. Um, yeah. Wasn't a fan of him. His smile. I know it sounds like a really harsh thing to say, but every time he smiled on screen, I just wanted him to get hit by a club. Um. <laughs> And Alan Cumming, I'm going to say. Um, I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of him anyway. The last thing I watched him in was The US Traitors. Um, <gasps> don't know if you've seen that. He's it's the host amazing. in it. I want to be on The Traitors. So I love bad. The Traitors. And the UK version is great. Claudia Winkleman did it. She was fantastic. Uh, Alan Cummings was awful. But he also played Mick Jagged as well. I don't know if you know oh, that. Oh, yeah. Before. This whole mm. Rolling Stones plot that didn't need to be there was very strange yeah. too. I didn't mind it at first. I thought it was a good kind of parody slash satire of Mick Jagger. Five minutes afterwards, I was just like, this is boring and tedious. I think they just needed something for Betty to do or else she'd fall Mm -hmm. off the face Otherwise, she was just not doing anything in the film. Um, They are mad too. Yeah, I've got one. I've got one person who I think is the worst person in this whole film, other than Joan Collins, who I just think is awful in everything. Um, and I'm sure she speaks very highly of me. Um, Harvey Corman. <gasps> okay. So Harvey Corman is the Colonel Slag Hoople. That's Wilma's dad for everyone who doesn't know. Yeah, that is Wilma's dad. Seriously, he for someone who is meant to have Alzheimer's, he's just it. He just looks like he's been pit uh, drunk for a long, long time. I nearly swore then. Um, he's just appalling. But, interesting fact, he was the voice of Gazoo in the cartoon. He was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly say, agreed, Stephen Baldwin, least favorite. My favorite performance in this movie was Harvey Corman. I think the fact that this dad was just completely MIA, Looney Tunes, off the planet. At one point, he has that... You know those toys where you try to get the ball in the cup that's on the string? 
Yeah. Where mm-hmm. he's just like, they're at dinner, and you can tell that they just have given him this toy to amuse himself <laughs> so he doesn't bother anybody. Like, these little moments with him, I'm like, it's stupid, but, like, the kind of stupid that I just love. Yeah, I think that's unnecessary background business. If you're going to give someone business to doing something, it's got to be worthwhile. And that's unnecessary background business. That's kind of the crap that you do on stage. Okay, anything, any performances you liked in this movie? Dino. Dino was in like one scene, James. Stole the I show. did like that, that <laughs> Dino is the equivalent of like a, a carnival goldfish. Yeah. That they expect <laughs> to die yeah. in like 48 hours. That is cool. That is I was cool. like, that was funny. Um, no, seriously, Mark, Mark Adias, Fred Flintstone for me. I, I said at the start that I couldn't see anyone else but John Goodman playing him in a live action film. And the fact at the end of the film, I actually really liked Fred Flintstone and the portrayal and he kind of brought it to life. That to me, personally, I think that deserves a shout out for one of the best performances. I'd agree he was good, but I spent the whole film waiting for him to do a scene change and a costume change into a policeman's outfit because of Full Monty. (laughs) That's what I was expecting to see. And get killed by a boar from Game of Thrones. Oh, or exactly. Or, or yeah. walk around oh, the corner. Spoiler in some alert, form Game of, of Thrones, armor. sorry. Oh, I think I spoiled that was earlier. Seriously, no one has no one has not watched Game of Thrones by now. Also, if you're the audience that is tuned in for this, I don't expect that you're gonna be like angry that we ruined Game of Thrones for you, but I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure this is gonna be the highest uh, the highest audience figures we're gonna have for this one, but um you know, it was it was back to differ. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> John's so upset. Again, I, I just like, is it stupid? Yes. I can't defend that it's that it's not. But like, I enjoyed that, you know, Barney and Mick Jagged get in like a girly slap fight over Betty. I was like, that's delightful. Like, it's funny. Joan Collins doing a spit take is amusing. Uh, the other part where I laughed hysterically is Chip has set up Fred and framed him to look like he's stolen Wilma's pearls. And he asks everyone if they have something to confess. And people start confessing like, oh, I stole the bathrobes and oh, these little things. (laughs) And then he's like, no, no, that's fine. No, no, we're talking about big things. And then that guy says, I'm systematically poisoning the dinosaur's water supply and he can't like talk his way out of it. But then like no one cares that I found hysterical too. So those are my, my props on like, it's, it's stupid, but as someone who loves camp, I kind of love stupid. I will say like, can we all agree though? The production design of this is pretty delightful. I think the production designers probably had a field day. It's cute, right? It's really cute. I like the fact they stuck with how they did it in 1994. They, they kind of stuck with that. But then integrating the CGI as well, I feel like they kind of paid homage a bit to the cartoons. They didn't go too realistic with the animals. They tried to keep it a bit more fun. Not animals, dinosaurs, sorry. Tried to keep it a bit more cartoonish with the CGI. That's what I really I like. That. I felt the sets were slightly more cartoonish as well. So yeah. like the diner and everything, the the actual set design was quite, quite cartoon it wasn't too natural it did kind of look a little bit false the Mm -hmm. pool area in the vegas scene was like massively you could tell that was made out of polystyrene and balsa wood um but it was cool i liked it 
But like, that's Vegas, though, right? Is that everything in Vegas feels a little bit false. Yeah, well, it used to. Now Vegas is gone. It's now this entertainment hub, isn't it? Rather than a real, real Vegas of old. Um, you make me smile and laugh so much, John. You bring <laughs> so much cheer to my life. This film is just. This film has just angered me. I want to watch a film that I genuinely want to watch a film that we can just all just sing the praises of. But what fun would that be? <laughs> yeah, true. But like, you guys, some of you didn't like Casino. I've even forgotten the one that we did before. It's that all. bad. Which there you briefly you debated might be better than Casino, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't tell me like uh, Casino was some amazing one. Uh, okay, okay. Let's let's get things back on track. You don't have to care if the movie's good or bad. Is there a character in this movie you would back as a gambler? Dino. Is your answer to everything going to be Dino? Dino. Like, Dino. Dino. Who had the most impressive character? Dino. I mean, he hatched out of an egg. He completely <laughs> changed, didn't he? <laughs> Do you know, I, I I wouldn't back Colonel Slag, Slag Hoople because he doesn't know no. what he's doing 99% of the time. Um, Do we think Fred is good at gambling or this was just the boom and doom switch? No. because That was boom and doom. Yeah, Rockefeller was skewing the odds. I did like that they, so for those who don't follow gambling, like it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing you say that, that the casino turned on the boom switch when you're running really well or the doom switch when you're running really bad and in this movie, Chip literally has like a boom and doom switch on the wall uh, that he turns on to kind of activate Fred going on a big losing streak. Yeah. Going back to backing a gambler, has to be the great Kazuno. He's the most intelligent one there. I would back Chip because he's got that switch on the wall, right? He's also in a hell of a lot of debt and mobsters are after him. So he doesn't make, he doesn't make good choices. But that's through real estate, right? Yeah, that's, that's mummy and daddy money, that, isn't it? Yeah, maybe it's like Casino where he's just the clean front for the mob. I would I would lay my money on Wilma. She does seem like she would... I feel like Betty would probably kill at like a... She's an airhead, come on. That's true. She didn't realize that, El, that Wilma wasn't homeless, that she was just a rich girl who had nowhere mm-hmm. to go. So you're right. Okay, fair. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely back Wilma because I think she has got this riches to rags understanding and she understands what wealth is and she understands how to get there and i think she just genuinely has her head screwed on so could make sound decisions it's it's quite a knee-jerk decision to just up sticks and go down somewhere without a without anything it was quite a sudden decision right but i think she did that for a rationale that she was hating life in the rich rich world and wanted to understand what it was in the real world um, so I think she would make sound decisions at a gambling table, but is stepping up to a table a sound decision in the first place? She probably is smart enough to not lose her money gambling. Yeah, she's probably she's probably going to go to see the show, right? Yeah, hang out at the spa with the Rosie O'Donnell octopus, the original Betty. Seriously, did I even? I, I was just about to say, did I even watch this film? You just confused me immensely. Then. So um, when Betty and Wilma are getting massaged by the octopus. Yeah, Ulsai, I didn't watch this film then. The voice of that was Rosie O'Donnell, the original Betty. 
Ah, nice. And then Anne Margrock, played by Anne Margaret in the original film, did sing Viva Rock Vegas in the sequel. Mm. Prequel. I hated that scene, I must admit. Yeah. You hated the song? Yeah, that song and scene at the end. Oh, the I whole love thing. A good the... dance number. Mm. I don't mind a dance number, but that one was just... unnecessary. Yeah, it's just like they kind of levitate into the air and just leave Betty and Wilma behind them. It's just I don't get it. Do you reckon they were trying to? Do you reckon they were trying to, a certain extent, just uh, emulate Grease? Because that was I think very they're trying Grease. to emulate Viva Las Vegas, the Elvis movie. Okay, I've watched it in a long while. Well, that might change after the quiz but before that we gotta we gotta do best in the clubhouse last week after much debate we decided that casino was better than win it all is the flintstones and viva rock vegas better than casino i'm gonna start with john again on this one because i can't wait for him to be like you know actually let me mull it over i'm really not sure so you know for a moralistic standpoint. Moralistic standpoint, okay. In terms of like the adult messaging in there and for educating children. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's dreadful. It's awful. As I started off, I will I my last words on this before the quiz will be exactly the same as it was at the at the start. I would much rather be beaten over the head with a club to death. In fact, I'd rather have my eyes gouged out with a spoon than watch this movie again or actually talk much more about it. It's that bad. Why a spoon, cousin? Because it's dull. It'll hurt more, you twit. Who there knows that go. movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, James, how do you feel? Better or worse than Casino? Before I say that, can I just say a little bit of a fun fact which relates to gambling? Because, Jess, you normally do a fun little... Gambling fact. Yeah, I, I, I kind of skipped over the gambling fact no, check because I have nothing fine. to add. <laughs> I've, got, I've got something that might work. Um, okay, the, no, but take the floor, my man. One of the episodes is called of the cartoon of the Flintstones. It's called The Gambler. Um, can't remember which season it is or which episode it is, but it's about Fred and he, he's got an addiction to gambling. And he makes a bet with a young child. Um, can't remember what with the bet a kid? is. I think it's to do, yeah, I think it's to do with marbles or something. And he gets addicted again and kind of gets flashbacks to when he had the addiction. And Wilma kind of makes him see a, a psychiatrist, I think. Um, but yeah, Fred Flintstone actually has a gambling problem. Yeah, I mean, in this movie, it seemed like he had a gambling problem too. So do you think that that the movie took inspiration from that episode? Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm I'm not going to say it. Well, I don't know. More to the point, <laughs> is you are you are an absolute Flintstones geek, aren't and you? I love that know. he's like, I can't tell you what season or episode. Whereas yeah. normally I could just at the drop of the hat tell you which Flintstones episode we're referencing. I think it's the second season. Okay, but good to know. It's not that's not the gospel for me. I might be wrong, but someone else can search it if they're listening. Okay, now I'm really curious. Is Flintstones in your mind better or worse than Casino? Sorry. Um, right. Let, let's actually review this. So, so as a film, no, it's not better than Casino. Personally, did I enjoy it better than Casino when I was watching it? Yes, I did. John's about to be so upset. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, do it, bro. 
But for the exact same reason, like for what it is, if I if you had to sit me down and ask me at gunpoint which one do I want to watch again, it's certainly not Casino. All of this. So yeah, I mean it was stupid, but it was like a fun, inoffensive kind of stupid. So I prefer it to Casino, which I think means that the Flintstones and Deeper Vegas is the new leader in the clubhouse. Yes. Uh, a moment of silence for John. I know. John John needs a breather. He may not agree to do future episodes. <laughs> He's very upset right now. We need to screenshot this, and this could be just the final <laughs> for this episode. Oh, you two are dead to me. <laughs> well, we'll see after this quiz if maybe we can get back on track with a film you actually enjoy watching. Uh, James, you mm-hmm. won the last quiz uh, with a tiebreaker. So, John, uh, I'm going to give you the option. Would you like to answer first or second? On this second. Quiz? Always second. Okay. All right. This film is filled with successful TV stars. Which of these actors won a primetime Emmy at some point in their career? Alan Cumming, Kristen Johnston, Jane Krakowski, or Joan Collins? Um, I'm gonna go Joan Collins. John? Hmm. I love how, I love that you guys take the quiz so seriously. Very yeah. Uh, do you know what? That's who I was going to go for, but I've kind of got to pick someone else, haven't I? Um, Jane Krakowski. You are both wrong. It is Kristen Johnston who won this Emmy prior to doing this movie. What was it for? Third Rock from the Sun. Of course. Oh. I'm still angry from the fact that apparently he's <laughs> like that. <laughs> When John loses, he's going to be like, I was on emotional tilt. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. (laughs) Okay. I have mentioned before that Flintstones branded children's vitamins were and continue to be a big thing here in the U.S. They have been a mainstay on the U.S. market for over 40 years. However, it took a petition in 1995 for which character to get a vitamin in their image. Is it Bam Bam? Gazoo, Dino, or Betty, John? I reckon it's Dino. That's your answer? Yeah, just because James's love for Dino kind of has that that kind of passion. I, I love that you're also just like, I'm just going to block him from getting to pick Dino since you yeah, know he's going to pick Dino. Dino. That passion would would genuinely turn to a petition, I think. I think right, someone James. with that kind of position. Can you just repeat the question for me again, please? Flintstones branded children's vitamins have been a mainstay on the U.S. market for over 40 years. However, it took a petition in 1995 before which character got a vitamin in their image. And the options were Bam Bam. Bam Bam, Gazoo, Dino, and Betty. Um, hmm. So it won't be Bam Bam because Bam Bam's a child, but saying Bam Bam's a baby. Um... I'm actually going to go Betty. That is correct. There was no Betty vitamin. Really? There was a vitamin of the car, and they <laughs> replaced the vitamin of the car with Betty. 
Surely you would have the four characters, main characters. That's People just idiocy. People don't like Betty, man. Like, we saw in this movie, they were like, well, we got to give her this stupid Rolling Stones plot or else Betty has nothing to do. Mm. All right, okay. James, you answer first on this one, and you might be the expert here. There were 166 episodes of The Flintstones, over under 15 episodes featuring the Great Gazoo. Over under 15 with the Great 15. Gazoo. More uh, more than 15 or less than 15 episodes with the Great Gazette. I feel like this is going to be the Mr. Bean situation where we think that he's in there loads, but actually it's not. Well, Mr. Bean had like one season, but for reference. Um, Mr. Bean only had one season? I think so, yeah. Only had That's like just blown eight, my mind. Uh, it only had about one, uh, 18 episodes or something like that. It had the, I think it had the, it had the animated cartoons as well. Oh. Sorry, back onto it. Um, I'm gonna. I think it's over, but I'm gonna say under because I feel like it might be a red flag there. I'm just going off my Mr. Bean theory, so I'm gonna say under. Well, I want to go under as well. So can we pick numbers? You're allowed to do that. Yeah, I know, but can we pick numbers so that it actually just gets all right? No, we've played this game the first time. (laughs) There's a tiebreaker for a reason. I'm going under. You are correct. He was in 11 episodes. See, and I was going to say 11 as well. Oh, I'm sure you were. Once you got over your hissy fit about the fact that we liked this movie better than Casino. Uh, I'm still not over it. I think I need the weekend. <laughs> okay. Which of these titles was not the name of a Hanna-Barbera show? As we as we all know, Hanna-Barbera, the group behind the Flintstones. Okay. Mm-hmm. A- Yankee Doodle Pigeon, B, Pumpkin Puss and Mushmouth, C, Inch High Private Eye, or D, Goober and the Ghost Chasers, John. B. Pumpkin Puss and Mushmouth. All right, James, do you have a pick? I don't know. We've got one more question after this, haven't we? We do, and a title. Yeah, I'll go B. Okay, you guys both picked B. You are both wrong. The answer is Yankee Doodle Pigeon, who is a character on a Hanna-Barbera show, but was not the name of the show. That sounded so obvious as the name of a show. Yeah, no, Pumpkin Puss and Mushmouth is indeed real. All right, this one is Price is Right rules. The Flintstones is set in the Stone Age. Price is Right rules. How many years does the Stone Age span? James. I was trying not to swear, though. <laughs> um, A reminder, James leads two to one at the moment. Uh, I don't know. So I'm just going to say oh, 10,000 years. It's not going to be that, though. 10,000. John. I feel like it's going to be a lot more than that. Really? Don't tell him. <laughs> 10,001. He's done it again. It's going to be a tie because the answer (laughs) is 2.5 million. See, (laughs) I I thought it was big. I thought it was big, but I didn't. There was was one area that didn't last that long, though. The Bronze Age, which is next after Stone, I think is a lot shorter. All right, we have moved on to the tiebreaker question, and guess who it's about, James? 
Dino. Yeah, is it Dino? It's Dino. a Dino question. Uh, Dino was voiced by Mel Blanc, who is known as the man of a thousand voices. His voice credits include Porky Pig, Foghorn Leghorn, Barney Rubble, Speedy Gonzalez, and even the original Fruit Loops mascot, Toucan Sam. How many IMDb credits does Blanc have for his voice work? Ooh. I'm getting good at these quizzes. I love how mm. much I'm stumping you guys. Or maybe they're too hard. Um, this will be John going first. Yeah. It's just taking me a long time to think. Can I see both hands, please, as well? So I see you not typing. You think he's secretly Googling? I think he's a secret Google. The old left-handed stealth Google. He's so spiteful about this episode, he'll do anything to win and not have us pick the next film. 200 and... No, that's too small. 456. James? Hmm. You only need to go one way, up or down. That's that's the issue. Well, so I this I did not specify this is price is right rules. So hmm. you can go over and if you're closer. Um What did you say? Four hundred and fifty six. Fifty six. That's a lot. It is a lot. That's a lot of voices. But I feel like because this is a question. It's going to be quite big. I'm going to go. Yeah. 532. James, you are our winner. Yes. Because he has 1,267 credits in IMDb for his voice work. (laughs) You got to remember, like, they made like 90 million, like, Looney Tunes packages and things like that. So, um, so, yeah, that means that you get to pick heads or tails. So tell me which film you want and what side it is. Um, so heads will go with Fever Rock Vegas because Elvis had a great set of hair. And tails will go Lockstock. All right. It is flipping and we are going to be watching... Lock, stock, and two smoking. I have not seen this movie, so this is going to be you're in for a treat. Uh, I am, and you guys will be in for a treat too. So be sure to tune in next time when we talk lock, stock, and two smoking barrels on Cinema Reels. Uh